Welcome back to Common Stories. This story was posted in the newspaper The Week in Jerusalem, and as unbelievable as it is, it is an absolutely true story. Sharon Nachshoni lived in Nestiona. He had three kids. He was an officer in the Israeli army, and afterwards he served for the prime minister. And he was called back for Miluim, for reserves, for a 70-day stint. He said goodbye to his wife, put his gear in the truck, and began to drive towards his unit in Hebron. And as he's driving, he suddenly heard an explosion in his left wheel. And his steering wheel shifted wildly left. He broke his arm. He was not over to, able to control his arm, and the car went head first, missed a few cars, and then went directly into a giant truck. Of course, Sharon didn't remember what happened afterwards because he was completely unconscious, couldn't breathe, many broken bones, but what he was told was that his car smashed completely into the truck, the engine rushed forward, and there were emergency trucks were trying to clear the path to somehow get towards Sharon, but everyone knew there was no chance. There was no human who could survive such a terrible accident. It took them an hour just to clear away all the metal and rusty things Till they finally got to Sharon. And when they got there, unfortunately, he was declared dead on the spot. He was not breathing. His heart had stopped. And just judging by the accident, there was no human being that could live in such a terrible, terrible accident. They even put a white sheet on him. When just at that moment, a bus, a 212 bus from Ashdod, pulled over, seeing the accident, and... A medical personnel man from the army demanded to see the, the body. The medical man has not been identified to this day. But he then went on to do an emergency operation. He insisted to see if Sharon was still alive. He did what's called a tracheotomy. And he stopped with a, a regular screw the uh, he, he put it into the lungs from the side. He took the pen of the investigator, emptied its contents, and with the empty cylinder, started to drain the blood from the lungs. For 17 minutes, Sharon fought for his life, and in the end, he began to gasp again. And so, somehow, amazingly, Sharon's life was saved. Later on, Sharon was transferred from Kaplan Hospital to the Tel Shomer Hospital, where he underwent rehabilitation, which was, as he said, the hardest part of the entire period. There were many people there who just, it seemed like, had no will to live, but Sharon wanted to live, and he kept fighting. Doctors said that there was no chance Sharon would ever walk again. In fact, they took bones from his legs and used it to 
support all sorts of other parts of his body, which is missing uh, all sorts of parts. And actually, his father already started putting lots of money into building elevators into his house because there's no chance he would ever walk again. By the way, during that same period, Rabbi Yoram Abergel, who's a Kabbalist from the south of Israel, promised that he would someday stand up and walk. Of course, the doctor laughed and said, how will he walk? We took bones out of his legs. But as we'll see, indeed, Sharon would walk. During the period of recuperation, they took Sharon into a, the shower. During this period of recuperation, Sharon asked his brother-in-law, Shachar, where's Aunt Miriam? Shachar feigned ignorance. But he asked his sister, where's her aunt? She said, the doctors don't want to tell you. I said, why? She says, why do you care so much? And Shachar said, if she's alive, I'm sorry, not Shachar. Sharon said, if she's alive, then maybe the dream I had doesn't mean much. But if she's not with us, in the dream I had, it, it, it must have been true. Indeed, don't tell anyone, his sister told him, but you should know that she died the same day of your accident. Now, during this entire period, Sharon was connected to morphine, and he would mumble and talk about what he saw above, in the heavens, although now he doesn't remember any of that, but his brother-in-law and sister wrote out all of the things that he said when he was in that state. It was a Saturday night, and Sharon revealed that the following happened. While he re recounted the story, he was frightened the entire time. Open up your hearts. After the accident, apparently during that time when Sharon was considered dead, he saw himself enter a tunnel. He was drawn after a light until he arrived at a kind of large hall without end. In the hall, there were many benches with many people. All of them were happy, radiating warmth and love. All of them were dead, but they looked as complete and alive as could be. All of the people in the hall were men, except for Sharon's grandmother who stood to the side, standing very nicely. Sharon remembered that he was very embarrassed by what he was wearing. The clothes were spiritual, but everyone was wearing fancy clothing, splendid spiritual clothing. But his were very dirty. He felt embarrassed, like he had just walked into the base matters with dirty clothing. The first thing that came into his mind was to hide from the embarrassment. He found the corner, and then he saw a strong light. He knew that if he looked at the light directly, he would be burnt. From within the light, two voices were emitted. One of them was the bad voice, and one of them was a good voice. He saw three rabbis sitting next to the light. Rabbi Yitzchak Kaduri, Rabbi David Batsri, two famous Kabbalists, and Rabbi Yoram Abergel. At the time, he didn't even know Rabbi Abergel. Only afterwards did he find out who it was. Then there was quiet in the hall, and the bad voice said, 
either you or your aunt Miriam. One of them, one of you stays here. At first, he didn't understand why they were talking about Aunt Miriam. But suddenly, he noticed her standing beside him. She was on the stage in the very same state that he had seen her in the hospital, weak and sick, with the same robe. And she understood that this was, a, this was an awful day for his family. And one of them would not stay in the world. Immediately, Sharon jumped up and said, I'll stay here. But then the good voice said that both you and your aunt are inclusive souls, responsible and concerned for the family, just like his grandfather was. For this, it made sense that Sharon should remain alive and have another child to bring him into the world to continue the good deeds of his grandfather. But then it was the bad voice's turn again. He demanded a trial, and during that moment, Sharon saw his entire life pass before his eyes like a movie, but it was much stronger than any video, like he was reliving the events all over again. From childhood till adulthood, Sharon saw everything, and the embarrassment was unbearable. The scenes passed by, and everyone saw what he had done, the good and the bad. Everything was open before them. The sins of hatred, the lack of respect for the parents, the lashon hara, the crooked dealings, the immodest behavior, and more. And then, to Sharon's surprise, he was asked a question just like what it says in the holy books. Were you honest in your business dealings? In heaven, they emphasize the matter of honesty, being careful not to deceive anyone. Even little things like leaving the factory for a few minutes, a little bit early. The bad boy said, you did not perform your, your task properly. You did it for profit. You worked for money because you love money. I couldn't answer him. And anyway, Sharon said, the good voice would answer any claim that the bad voice made. Afterwards, Sharon was asked questions like, Kavata in the Torah, did you set aside times for Torah? He said, yes. Did you eagerly await the redemption? Sharon didn't understand the question. During this time, they detailed all of his sins and reviewed them very carefully. They spoke about Lashon Hara. You have no idea how condemning heaven is of malicious gossip. They continued with the subject of hatred. You have a friend you're looking to fight with all the time about vows. You made a vow to the synagogue and didn't keep it. And then we, they went to the subject of honoring parents. You didn't honor your parents enough because you thought that you would marry and basically disconnect from the family. Now we will show that you need them. Then they talked about crooked dealings. You used your grandmother's phone credits without asking her permission. Then the good voice began to defend Sharon. He said, I gave money to yeshivot. But then the bad voice interrupted. Yeah, but he became arrogant because of it and he hung the plaque on his wall. Then they went through his mitzvot, fulfilling the, the Torah's commandments, each one. Sharon was so happy for wearing tzitzis. He said it's impossible to describe how much tzitzis helps because all the commandments have massive spiritual value in themselves. Not a single commandment is forgotten from big to small. 
the good voice continued to list the commandments that he had observed, keeping Shabbat and celebrating it in every way that he could, always trying to make brides and grooms happy at their weddings. And then they started to bring witnesses to defend him. At that point, rabbis interjected and were on his side. People don't understand the greatness of tzaddikim. They can testify about our goodness and honesty. Even tzaddikim who are still alive are involved in the holy upper worlds. Then they reminded Sharon that he had dri- driven together with his brother-in-law to a raffle in Bnei Brak for yeshiva. And that when the head of the yeshiva came in, they announced that anyone who had not yet given a contribution and would give one now would receive a bottle of wine that the rabbi had blessed. Sharon jumped up first, paid for the bottle, and blessed that. And can you imagine that that same rabbi, who's still alive now, came himself to testify for his worthiness because he had donated money to his yeshiva? Afterwards, they recalled other acts of kindness, helping a widow. Even she herself came forward to testify on Sharon's behalf. And that was what shifted the scales in his favor. He was told. At that point, a judge came up and spoke. A loud, clear voice emerged from the blinding light. Do you accept upon yourself the things that you must do? Then it was read a number of things which would become the purpose of Sharon's life, which he didn't want to reveal. He obligated myself to one of them, he said, and I would do the best to do the others. The voice continued. You must know that you stand to suffer a great deal in the world, but this will be your atonement. And then the trial ended. Sharon turned around to run out of the hall in panic. He felt the same embarrassment he had sensed with the dirty clothing. And then he saw his grandmother running after him. And she ran and ran and ran, almost forcing him, chasing him outside. Suddenly, Grandma disappeared, and Sharon saw himself in the ambulance. He saw his body lying on the gurney, and the doctors treating him. At that point, he was unconscious, breathing through a respirator. But he saw himself from above, and the doctors working on him. Suddenly, he stopped seeing from above, and he woke up in his body. I want to reiterate that this story is absolutely true. And you can actually contact Sharon. Get it. He's a real life person. Look it up on Google if you don't trust me. Send me an email. I'll send you some pictures of Sharon. And this was his real life experience of what it was like in the next world. It certainly has inspired me to re-strengthen myself, to be more honest, to use my time to do mitzvahs to not waste precious moments in this life. And I hope his near-death experience will also inspire you, Zerat Hashem, wherever you are, to find your inspiration to be the best you you can be. I hope you have a beautiful night. And thanks for coming to listen to the unbelievable near-death experience of Rav Shalom. I'm sorry. I'm Sharon Nachshon.